White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. It's a glorious Friday. Awesome. Fun Just Friday. Just got paid. Oh, It's yes, Friday sir. morning. Body's humping. So I don't know the rest of the lyrics. Sorry, Johnny Kip. Wow, that's one of your jams, and you, you forgot the lyrics? Oh, what a yeah, disgrace. InSync messed me up. They did a remix of that. Oh, and they, it up. Ugh, they did? Yeah, they did. On the, on the first album, I think. On the, nope, they did it on the No Strings Attached album. I love that album, by the way. Oh, so, no, you guys didn't come for that. My name's Herb Lawrence, Acton Wild 23. Chris Tanhill, you just heard, at Chris Tanhill. The show is at Locked on Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go there, subscribe. Maybe we'll give you a prize pack. We'll tell you how later on. But without further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. How are you doing on this Friday? Oh, a little better than I was yesterday, Herb, talking about Tony La Russa. And now we're going to get into some baseball stuff today. How about that? There's actually a, a championship-caliber team that's taking the field this week in Arizona, and there's a lot of moving parts here. And we're going to get into all that in this episode, episode 173 here of Locked on White Sox. All right, Herb, I buried the lead here. I should have got to this right out of the shoot, but uh, I, I think hopefully we've, uh, we've teased the audience uh, enough. Like the, the biggest story today uh, that came out in terms of the White Sox, I think, is easily. Um, this was all over the Internet today, and people were talking about it all day on Sports Talk Radio. No, it wasn't the Tony La Russa DUI. It was, of course, Yoan Moncada's new music video. It was hot, man. I mean... <laughs> man is just dripping with swag. I mean, when he hits a home run, is there a better bat drop since King Griffey Jr.? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, this is, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go on the YouTube, search Yoan Moncada, El Chacal, and Lanier. And the name of the song is Desastre Personal. And I think that translates to, I'm not sure, I think that's actually a, a nightclub in Northwest Indiana. <laughs> Desastre Personal. If, I'm not quite sure. But uh, yeah, but the man is, is, is dripping with swag, like you said. Uh, Hoppy Baez had a good run in town as the, as the swaggiest player uh, in Chicago. So RIP Javi. Uh, what did he come up with? 2014? 2014 to 2020? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been one for Javi. But yeah, if you see this Johan video, it's got everything you want. Of course, it's got Johan, which is like you know who doesn't love looking at Yoan with like half his shirt open and the glasses and swag on a hundred oh yeah Ancada. he's got a good baseball face and also what I also love in a video of course the the, the, the track is great but you know if, uh, if you're like me well as you know I am very very partial to Latins I love Latins there's lots of that in the video <laughs> as well if you know what I mean lads so yeah that that, that Moncada video uh, the song's been out for a while but now they've got the visuals there but that's just what a perfect way to 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 start spring training is having the Yoan video drop. See, I I've watched the video. I don't. It, no one's answered my question. Is that with Zine and Yandel? 
in the com- in the video? Is that the two people who are behind him doing no, things? No, well, I don't think so. I think I don't know. It's, I mean, it, I know it's El Johan's Chac- not it's, Puerto Rican, so right. It's El Chacal and Lanier. Come on, oh, Herb. My, both of my guys, <laughs> your guys, oh, reggaeton fa- favorites. I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, did you I say that one song about did, things? Did you say r- rigatoni? <laughs> re- re- reggaeton. <laughs> Yeah, Brendan, bring your ass back here. <laughs> yeah, man, I know you're listening, man. <laughs> you're Great reggaeton music. But yeah, but, they sing that song about girls and dancing in clubs. Oh man, that's such, such a great song. Yeah, but I, uh, man, he—I mean, he can. If that's actually him, and I know it's a little auto tune in there. Oh yeah, he can sing a little bit. He's much better than Denzel Valentine as far as the the singers in town or the rappers in town. Yeah, he's got he's got a uh, you know again. You said there's so much processing and auto tune and all that stuff, but you know he's got I, I, you know you see his face and it looks like his voice would be a lot deeper, but he can like he's got you know, the perfect voice for it, man. Like you know I, I look forward to hearing more, like whatever works, man. Like if I'm you on my decent too. yeah yeah like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a heater man once clubs can open up again like this is gonna be the club banger that's that's my only uh my only uh problem with this is you have a club banger and you can't play it at the club at least in, in the states you can i mean parts of the states in florida maybe which is probably only what he cares about and you know in northwest indiana i don't know what the protocols are there right now but you know in latin america you could probably get away with playing it but yeah hopefully we can open the world back up again and, and uh, the song can sweep the nation but yeah, check I it hope out. He uses his walk-up music. Oh, that would be awfully. That that'd be awfully just a little. I don't know. E- e- ego. You don't like that? It'll be too tacky or something. <laughs> I like that? think I think so. I think somebody else should use it first. Like Eloy is probably going to use it. They're, that would be how great would it be if they all use it. <laughs> and that's the only song you heard. Just, the... <laughs> they just played one part of it, pause it, and then the next guy goes. Yeah. And the next guy goes. I think Chris Hubble still does the stuff up there. Yeah. So yeah, just check it out on YouTube. But uh, there's other baseball things to get to. We mentioned uh, these things that that interest us and. Just real quick, you know, Rick Hahn spoke to the media, met him for about a half hour today, and there were things that were that were touched on. Uh, the trade deadline. We've been talking about it a lot. You know, you mentioned it in the first segment. White Sox didn't complete the roster. They've got depth issues at starting pitching. They have a, they have a lot of options, but they I wouldn't call it depth in the starting rotation. Um, but Rick Hahn was asked about the trade deadline and if resources, money, would become available if the Sox were in a position to to compete, which they should be. And here's how Rick Hahn responded. My experience around here has always been that when we're in a position to truly win, the economic flexibility come the deadline to add the right piece has been there. And that's our expectation going into this year as well. Obviously, we're dealing with a slightly unique economic situation given the pandemic, but hopefully that starts getting better for everybody here over the, the coming months as well, which can only help the cause. Now, I'm, I'm going to hold fast to that, that as, as much as I want to hammer the White Sox for not signing Trevor Bauer and and not really going after the top tier free agents on the market, I, I am still holding my breath that at the trade deadline, they're going to add uh, one, at least one significant piece, whether it be starting pitcher, a DH, maybe JD Martinez we talked about. I'm still holding out hope. Like I hate the kick the can down the road philosophy, and I and I would love nothing more than to than to hammer them. Uh, but I'd be I'd be wrong, you know, because I, I'm not in a, in a hurry to to prove that I'm wrong. Okay, because I believe when Rickon said the money will be spent, that the money will be spent. Obviously, pandemic changes things, but we know 
you know these these uh, these baseball owners aren't out there with the with the uh, a can with the with pencils out there on the street. You know they're not Salvation Army out there ringing the bell. You know they'll be fine. Uh, so you can believe what you want about the finances there. But you know I, I'm still I'm thinking that they're going to add at the deadline if they need it. Who knows? Maybe they won't even need it. Maybe the White Sox are just going to blitz through the American League, and you're going to look at this team like you did in 05 and be like, ah. You know, we don't need anything here. Jeff Blum, I don't know who Jeff Blum is. And, of course, obviously Jeff Blum does one of the more uh, iconic moments in White Sox history. But, yeah, that 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 made me feel good right there to at least hear Rick Hahn say that, yeah, he thinks that things will be opened up to him at the trade deadline. I would love it. It will be great. But um, surprises along the way. Jerry is Jerry. So I won't hold my breath on that. He'll probably use this pandemic as an excuse. And hopefully – we're getting fans in in April, and hopefully that there's enough, like a quarter of fans can go into a guaranteed rate, and then by the time the trade deadline happens, we saw the uh, Biden thing last night. He said that pretty much everybody will be available and have a availability to the to the uh, vaccine, either one of those vaccines that are out there now, and then Johnson Johnson's coming out with a new one. So it will be available to us. And that means maybe a full ballpark for all of us. And so money will be there. And Jerry can't use that as an excuse anymore. And if we need to supplement the roster, it can be done at the trade deadline because they haven't done it as yet. But like you're saying with 2005, no one believed that was a championship squad. But they all, every one of those players pretty much played to their numbers or above. Like they were just all above average players. And that's what I get the feeling of this team going into the year, except for Andrew Vaughn. That's a huge question mark for me because, you know, jumping from single eights and majors is a tough thing. And DHing, no matter what, is really tough. So um, if need be, if Andrew Vaughn doesn't do what they think he's going to do, which I think is very possible, you can go out and get J.D. Martinez or a person that you see that is ready to do some damage. Maybe you can go and get Jock Peterson and finally catch that white whale that Rick Hahn's been trying to chase for a long time. But, you know, guys like yourself, Tanny, ruining things by talking on the internet. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just, I can't. It's my favorite thing to do is spoil trades. I just love it more than anything in, in this world. Like, why would you do anything else if, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if if you could do that, if you can ruin Rick Hahn's day, you know? Um let, let's get to it. You mentioned a DH here. Um, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, sounds like he's going to be part of the mix here. And here's what Rick Hahn had to say about Andrew Vaughn's presence in 2021 in terms of making the team out of spring training. Andrew Vaughn's very much in the mix to, to make this club. I know that uh, that may strike some people as a little non-traditional, given yes. that he didn't have AB or has not had ABs above high A over the course of his career thus yet. Uh, I think that uh, you know, a lot of things would have been different had there been a minor league season last year. But I think one of the most prominent things is had there been a season last year, I don't think there would have been any question in anyone's mind that Andrew Vaughn uh, was prepared to contribute at the big league level over the course of the 21 season. Uh, so we're based on what we've seen, but based on what we know of the kid, uh, he's very much in this mix. And we'll see we'll see what the next six weeks hold. Uh, but. You know, everyone here who knows Andrew and knows what he's capable of doing is, is taking his bid for this club seriously. Uh, as for potential additions, you know, uh, 
we remain in contact with free agents, but as I said a few weeks ago, you know, the expectation is that any additions would, would be more of the non-roster invite variety, if, if at all. Uh, it's funny, we've, uh, the worms turned a little bit on us here, uh, it's, and it's a good problem to have. It's, a, it's an uptown problem. Uh, you know, it's a little harder for us to recruit NRIs to this club right now because they don't necessarily see the opportunity for themselves to make the club right out of camp. Uh, or you know, break through into our lineup or our pitching staff. Again, that's a, it's a nice. That's where you want to be, but it's certainly we're we're paying a small price uh, in terms of being able to lure some guys, as many guys as we have in the past here on on NRIs. So a quick footnote too about the DH. Rick Hahn was asked if, well, what about Eloy? Is Eloy going to be a DH? And flat out, Rick Hahn said no. You may see Eloy get a few at bats over the course of the year at DH. But they're not looking at Eloy as a DH and having the the dueling uh, Adams in the corner outfield spots uh, to to fawn over Luis Robert and center. Like that's not going to be a thing. So you know it, it looks like it's going to be Andrew Vaughn. Rickon noting there that it would be kind of unconventional. But you, one of the things that was on White Sox Twitter today, I think I saw James Fox mention it. Josh Nelson, uh, a lot of the guys that are smarter than us, they were they were mentioning like, yeah, they're probably not going to start and break camp with Andrew Vaughn on the roster because of service time. So there's two options there. Either you sign him to a Luis Robert contract, which I would be very hesitant to do, and maybe we can reevaluate that down the road, or also you're going to get a uh, a heavy dose of of Zach Collins in the first, I don't know, month of the season. So I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know how those those two options right there, man. I'm not particularly enthused. I I just hope Andrew Vaughn proves us all wrong. That would be awesome. But in that clip, he was saying, like, free agents are scared to come to the White Sox because there's not a chance for them to make the team. Yeah, Trevor Bauer, obviously. When, when you're <laughs> when you're sitting out a guy that's not had a bat over a single A as your designated hitter eventually for the season, and those guys are like, nah, no, I can't beat out that Andrew Vaughn. Nope, sorry. Thanks, though, White Sox. I'm going to go to this other team over here. But that's just garbage. Um, Yeah, those two options of either starting Zach Collins or signing a player that was in single A a couple years ago to a long-term deal, like eating up his arb years and giving him a lot of money, undeserved money. You know, I'll, you know, applaud him for doing it, but he hasn't done anything in the minors to deserve a extension. Those guys, Eloy and Luis Robert, had awesome great years before they earned those deals and then it was also like thought of hmm, these guys need a little bit more seasoning down there type of stuff until they sign those deals and like oh no i'm bringing up some bitches up immediately so yeah if they give that deal to andrew vaughn i'm not going to be sad for the kid i'm not going to be poo-pooing the kid i'll be mad at the white Sox for giving money sight unseen to a guy that's never played in the majors and never really done anything in the minors so the option of Zach Collins sounds much more palatable to me, even though I don't think that guy is a major league hitter as yet, especially going to be taking DH uh, reps. I'd rather go with a guy who can play the field, even though um, he's his bat was a little suspect before 2019. I'd rather go with Adam Engel as the designated hitter and lose him as a fielder for that game. But, I would much rather have him as the option to be a designated hitter because I can know that that guy can kind of hit 
And when he gets on, he's going to steal a base and make some good base running decisions. Yeah, you know, and, and about the DH thing, I, you know, that was a weird comment about players not, you know, being too thrilled about joining the White Sox because there was, you know, a, a glass ceiling. I, I don't know who that could have pertained to. Uh, you know, I, I, that that was odd to me as well. You know, I, I, we'll, we'll maybe we'll find out in due time. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on that. You know, Hector Gomez tweeting yesterday, him and our guy Shane Reardon had a back and forth. Uh, Shane was sort of basically rubbing it in like, hey, what's up with that good news, Hector? And then Hector Gomez telling Shane, our guy, oh, Rick Hahn didn't do enough to give the White Sox fans good news. Damn. <laughs> Did that's nice. I mean, hey. Hector seemed pretty goddamn confident when he sent that tweet out. Yeah, he was with Nelson Cruz. Like, you know, so, you know, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if the Sox were just leverage or or what, but yeah. Yeah, Nelson Cruz, like, no, man. He was scared of Andrew Vaughn. Man, Andrew Vaughn's coming? Man. No, I'm good, though. Thanks, though. How many home runs does Nelson Cruz have in the majors? And he's like, ooh, Andrew Vaughn, that kid out of Cal? Oh, man, I remember what they said about him when he was drafted. Oh, he's ready to play right now. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm good on that. Yeah, okay. Um, another baseball thing to get to, uh, you know, the first guy that was on a lot of people's minds today uh, was Michael Kopech. It was one of the first videos that we saw was Michael Kopech was was throwing there today in Arizona. Him, I saw the photo of Liam Hendricks, but Kopech was definitely top of mind for everyone. You know, I, you know, Kopech hasn't been on a on a mound in, in a calendar year. It was the last game before things got shut down for the Sox, and that's the last time we saw him. But people love talking about Michael Kopech, and maybe for me, maybe we're you know I don't know if you feel the same way, but we're just. We're so close to this thing, and we have the magnifying glass and the microscope up to this team on a day-to-day basis here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So sometimes we forget about Michael Kopech or it's out of sight, out of mind type of situation where it's like, you know, I don't really care too much to hear about Michael Kopech unless he's starting that game for the Sox tonight. You know what I mean? But, you know, obviously top prospect coming over in the Chris Sale trade. Rickon mentioning the sale trade earlier today, sort of as they're four years removed from that, four years in, in change. But Michael Kopech was top of mind today. And, you know, I did get excited seeing the videos of him. And he's sort of become an afterthought because he hasn't been in a big league game in, in well over two years. But Tony La Russa saw Michael Kopech today. And here's what uh, he thought when he saw Michael Kopech throwing to, I believe it was Jonathan Lucroy in the side session. Saw him today uh, through the bullpen. And, uh, you know, first day out, for the first day out, you're supposed to be crude like a lot of guys were. But when he hit his spot, you know, and that delivered us together, the outcome was electric. And uh, uh, I think Jonathan Lucroy was a sketcher, and I went over and, and complimented him because, you know, their ball was doing having a lot of action. So uh, very excited uh, after his time away to get him back in uniform and competing and can have a terrific contribution to our team. You know, I just thought of it right now, you know, talking about Kopech throwing to Lucroy. I think he will make the team, provided he stays healthy. But even if he doesn't, just having Jonathan Lucroy there as a resource, an experienced veteran catcher, a smart guy, you heard us play his comments the other day, just having him there in camp, you know, sort of to to be there to to shepherd Michael Kopech along and 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 bring him back into big league life. I really like that actually. You know, just having Jonathan Lucroy there that makes you feel like a little bit better 
that that Lucroy's working with Kopech today, and he'll be working with some of the other guys too. And maybe he'll he'll help some of these young guys move along in the process here. But uh, it's it, it is kind of exciting the the possibility uh, of seeing Michael Kopech on a mound again, man. Like he's he's still a member of the White Sox, and he he could be the X factor this year. And we could be looking back at, at the offseason and be like, ha, I can't believe we wanted Trevor Bauer. Like look at look at our top three right now, our top four. Like we won't, you know, where would Trevor Bauer even play? Like the whole Hawk Harrelson, you know, and Ken Griffey Jr. trade rumors back in 04, 05. Where's he gonna play? You know, hopefully we're looking back at that Trevor Bauer rumors uh like that when we're talking about Michael Kopech this year. That'll be great. But like to put eggs in that basket is tough, especially in a championship window. I think he'll be the fifth starter when the season ends. They'll he'll just be that good. They'll ramp him up down. eventually. Like they'll, yeah. he'll he'll be in that spot. That certainly sounds like that's what Rickon wants to do, and we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, you're saying they'll slowly ramp him up and withhold withhold him a little bit so they can have him. They want him for meaningful innings in October. It sounds like today. Yeah, and I think that they're going to do the reverse of the Steven Strasburg, where Strasburg pitched his limit and wasn't available for October for the Nationals. It was a smart move on their part, you know, it's protecting his arm, protecting him, but not having that resource for the playoffs was a big time thing. They didn't win that year. Eventually, Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer led them to a World Series championship. But they're probably going to do the opposite with I don't know, you might play this cut with spring training, um he'll ramp up a little bit, but then He'll probably go to some type of alternate site or the minor leagues to get his pitches right, to get his innings right before he even sees a major league field. So I'm thinking, though, we're going to be using him as mostly an opener when he's down in Charlotte or wherever he's going to be, the alternate site, and then ramping up his innings just to gradually get him up to uh, a guy who can go six. And then inevitably, I feel that either Raylo or Rodon will be hurt or ineffective in that fifth spot. In that fifth spot, they can do an opener with Garrett Crochet or things like that in the interim. But once they get the clearance for Michael Kopech to be ready, I think he takes over that spot. You look. You don't look back to Raylo. You don't look back to Rodon. They're on short-term deals, anyways. And this is the future. You're probably going to get a nice effort from him this year, and I'm expecting big-time things because. When we did see him pitch in 2018, was it 2018? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was electric. He was awesome. Like that opening day you went to was great. Oh man, that was the people yeah. who tell me about that. I think I talked to Patrick Flowers, said that's the most electric game that I've ever been to. It, the, the the excitement in that stadium was palpable. And we've seen other people make their de- debuts, like Yoan Mancada or Eloy Jimenez. Or I was at the Dylan Cease one. Nowhere near. No one. Everybody says nowhere near nope. what Michael Kopech day meant, and I feel that's coming back. I can't wait, man. Like it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a tough thing to balance here. You, not only do you have the Kopech element, but you also have the Garrett Crochet element. And I was just thinking earlier, just you know, as I'm one to do, just pondering. Uh, you know, I was. What if you do a situation? And Rickon says it's not practical to have guys on a schedule when you're trying to win games in a baseball season. But if you could sort of saddle. Kopech and Crochet together like I know they want to eventually have Crochet as a starter for next year and I don't know how you play that because he's such a dangerous weapon in the bullpen but what if you have Kopech be your opener we say hey you're you're getting three innings no matter what 
no matter what the pitch count is, you're going three, and then you're going to have Crochet come in for four, five, six. Like I think that that would be an interesting plan because you'd have the righty and the lefty, and then hopefully you know your your bullpen guys can finish that. But I just I don't know how you how you play that with those two guys. So Rick Hahn did kind of just illuminate a little bit on what their plan is for Michael Kopech, and here's what he had to say. He's. Uh physically and, and mentally in a really good spot right now. We're going to sit down with Michael and go through with him uh, the plan for the next several weeks and several months. I'm not going to get into too much detail about that publicly until we have the chance to talk things through with Michael directly. Obviously, with the intake protocols, this is our first chance to be face-to-face today. But in general, a couple of things to keep in mind. One, we still view Michael as having the potential to be a premium starter long term. But two, we got to be cognizant of a couple of things. One, he obviously having not faced hitters in the last two years does not have an innings base underneath him right now, a significant innings base to build off of. The second thing we need to be aware of is we want him as a team with fairly lofty expectations. We want him strong and contributing through October. So we have to be a little bit creative about how we're going to use him uh, in order to get him helping us in Chicago and continuing his development and finishing the year strong and able to contribute ideally to a World Series championship. So we have some thoughts on that. We're going to sit down with Michael and go through them and uh, we're going to come up with a plan here together for how we're going to do that. Long term, we still view him as a premium starter and look forward to him fulfilling that potential in a White Sox uniform over the next several years. This is really an unprecedented situation here when you talk about the length of time between his last big league start and what's going to be his next one. You know, there's no playbook for this, and the Sox are going to have to lean on their development guys, lean on communication with each other, and talking to Michael Kopech day in and day out, seeing how he's feeling. But this is going to be a tricky one to watch unfold and to pull this off. Like, you know, it's it's going to take a little bit of magic and a lot of luck, but there's going to be some some hiccups along the way because you know this is not something that's done. Uh, it's not commonplace in baseball. This is not a situation where you see all the time. So that's going to be a storyline to watch uh, in all of 2021 is how they handle Michael Kopech uh, in particular, and also you know Garrett Crochet as well. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him back out there, man. You're 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 dead on. I was there that night, the first Kopech start, and. It just it, it was different. Like he, the guy carries a different energy uh, when when he when he walks out to that mound, and hopefully we get to see it more often than not. And I, I do like your idea though about having him at an alternate site. You know, I, I think maybe a starter two at Charlotte. You know, uh, going up against a, a live opponent who's trying to you know do harm against you. Like that that could benefit him. But other than that, I just want to put him like in a glass case. Uh, you know, and, until it's go time, until like July and August, you know, when you start to hit those dog days and maybe you need a, a jolt in your starting rotation or maybe you, you want to give Lucas a little breather, you know, for, for a turn in the rotation and you could bring him up. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they play it. Yeah, and you could control his bullets there. You can say, here's 60 pitches, that's it. No, no sliders, just all gas, all fastballs, <laughs> re- locate it. And then... You know, like you said, go to a facing hitters and see what that feels like. And then once you feel comfortable and once you feel like yourself again, we got you in the majors, kid, because there's nothing stopping you. Just like you said, uh, the it's the opposite. Just like I said, where free agents are scared to come to the White Sox because they might not make the team. There's nothing holding Michael Kopech back from that fifth starter spot. Like Rod- Rodon, no, nah, we're good. Raylo, come on now. Let's go. Once Michael Kopech is ready to go, no matter how well those guys are pitching, it's Michael Kopech time, right? Are we are we in agreement there? Yeah. Because that 
that level is like he said a premier starting pitcher and not uh, a re-energized Ray Lowe and a re-energized Carlos Rodon on walk years are going to be stopping him from getting to the majors and helping this team get to that next level. So I'm going to be feeling real good when he's available to come back on this team and maybe, you know, for those innings limits for him, he comes in June, you skip a start because you're going to have a couple off days and you have some bulldogs out there and Lucas wanting to pitch 200 innings this year. So you're going to skip a start if you can and get Lucas back out there in the mound. Same thing with Lance Lynn and same thing with Dallas Keuchel. So however they come up with a way of Ethan Katz is a nice creative way to limit his innings to get him to October and beyond. Let's do it. Let's get this man on the mound for the White Sox. Like you said, it's like out of sight, out of mind. But when he is on that mound, we're going to be all hyped because we know he's not just a fifth starter. He's a top of the rotation pitcher that's going to be doing damage for us. So there you have it. Stay with us all of next week and all through spring training as we're going to have you guys updated on everything that's going on with the Sox, all the roster implications that are going on here, lots of all the moving parts with the 2021 White Sox. It's going to be an exciting year. I'm glad the guys are finally back in Arizona, and there's so much to talk about here. So stay with us all spring through the regular season. We'll break down every storyline as it develops. We'll watch this Andrew Vaughn situation unfold and, and everything else. But Monday's show, it's still going to be Mailbag Monday. So Herb, why don't you tell the good folks how they can get in contact with us for Mailbag Monday. Send your emails to LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Anything you want us to talk about, comments, questions, any of that stuff, LockedOnSox at gmail.com. And before we leave, Tanny, just wanted to mention our guy, our former guy, George Hoffman, who used to work at the score and BBM, is doing a podcast himself where he's interviewing White Sox people and other people. But this week it's Lynn Casper, I think next week is going to be Steve Stone. These are going to be long-form interviews, so they're good for any time. They're not time-sensitive. So go and check out George Offman's new podcast. Yeah, And maybe one of these days we'll speak to George, talk to him about this podcast and how he's uh, talked to these White Sox luminaries throughout his career yeah i'd love to talk to george he's you know at the score day one you know he's right there for you for the championship bulls years you know the the white Sox championship and and the the 93 teams he's right there for you so yeah i'd love to talk to george one of my favorite people in the industry um what are you going to do this uh the rest of this friday night herbie before we get out of here i think i'm just gonna chill out because the illini play tomorrow a 330 game at minnesota at the barn it's always a tough place to win so I'm just going to chill out with Courtney and, uh, you know, maybe tonight will be a, a pizza night at the house. You know, I'm doing this diet thing, so I've been restricted. I went past uh, Al's Beef like two days ago and I smelled the smell they have out there. I don't know if they do charbroiled burgers, but yeah. that's what it smelled like to oh, me. Yeah, they do everything. And I damn near broke off the, the diet right then. So, you know, we have a treat day every week, so I might do a treat day tonight. And that Al's Beef charbroiled burger sounds like the champion of all champions. What about yourself? <laughs> I, I like the uh, buffalo fries at Al's in addition to the great beef sandwich. Uh, got into the uh, Italian stance there if you're eating there indoors. But uh, uh, I'm going to check out this Patrice O'Neill documentary on Comedy oh, Central man. tonight. It's called uh, Killing is Easy. Patrice being one of my favorite comedians of all time. I think his Elephant in the Room special is up there with with anyone. Carlin, Pryor, it's up there. It's one of the best specials I've ever seen. And uh, it, it's a long overdue topic talking about the man's 
life. He was a true visionary and just someone who just thinks and you know thought differently and had a way of putting things in perspective so everyone can relate and understand. And you know, I think the world could use more people like Patrice O'Neill. And it's really kind of sad that he's not with us anymore. But finally, Comedy Central has, has got all the right people in place, and they're going to uh, air a documentary on Friday night about Patrice O'Neill. So I'm going to look forward to uh, to checking that out tonight. That sounds like a thing. I'm going to check that out myself. And, you know, I know Patrice died of uh, type 2 diabetes. Like myself, I have type 2 diabetes. So I, you know, didn't know the struggle when he was going through. I got diagnosed like a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I can definitely, you know, empathize with his struggle and how hard it is, you know, growing up all that time, you know, eating the foods that you ate. And then your body's like, yeah, that's not good for you you might die and you know i still worry about that all the time so i can i can only imagine just having to worry about that and still being a genius at your industry and like thinking about things in a totally different way like comedians are always fascinating to me especially the genius ones like that title of that of that special like killing is easy like he found that it was like once he did he's like oh that's that shit's like easy as hell and, you know, geniuses feel that way. And, you know, we can go to an open mic right now and not do anywhere near that. Oh, it'd be disaster. But he was just like, Grab me, give me a mic and I'll murder this. Just doing crowd work. Remember we were at the, the comedy cellar and just, who was it, Big J Orkerson's just doing crowd work. Not even yeah. doing jokes. David Tell. Killing. Yeah. David Tell going up there, like, you know, just off the top. You know what I mean? Like no, no routine, no nothing. Just riffing off people in the crowd, riffing off the, the comedians that are up there with them. Yeah, it's I, I, I could never do that. You know what I mean? Like, and I know, like with anything, it takes you have to have natural ability and the repetitions to do it. You know, every day. But it just, it's to me. I, that's why I'm always in awe of of stand up comedians. That's why I love it so much. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to checking that out uh, tonight. The Patrice O'Neill documentary, Killing Is Easy. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. Mailbag Monday, lockedonsocks at gmail.com is how you can get a hold of us. We're we're already overflowing. Like people were sending us all types of stuff this week, so we're gonna have to start being real selective here. But I'm sure there's gonna be more pouring in uh, during spring and, and answers, and uh, hopefully uh, the questions will be answered by us. So that's uh, that's all I got. You know, I hope you guys have a great weekend. That is the voice of Chris Tannehill. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. I highly suggest you do that because his tweets are great. Not very often like mine on ActorWall23. You'll get a tweet like every five seconds. You'll get sick of me soon. So follow <laughs> him. Don't follow me. And follow the show at Locked on Socks because I don't tweet from there mostly. I just retweet from there. So yeah. Locked on Socks <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can win a prize pack. We've told you how. Just hit the subscribe button. Chris Tannehill will randomly select one of you guys or girls, once we reach a hundred, every hundred level, he'll select one of those people and then send out a nice, decent prize pack with a great shirt, maybe, and a mug like Mike Victor got. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Friday Night Locked on Socks.